0: Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Praise Team. What a wonderful time of worship we have had thus far this morning, and may it continue as we study God's Word together. And I invite you, if you would, grab your copy of God's Word, and you can turn with me to First uh, John. We're in First John chapter 5, verses 18 through 21. And uh, as you're turning there, you're probably going to realize we are right there at the end. So after 19 weeks of talking about knowing Jesus in First John, we are at the end, and uh, we have learned a lot, and so thankful for how God has led us and guided us through this, and how helpful it is as we think about all of what it means to know Jesus. We need to remember what we know. We have learned a lot as we have walked through 1 John. We have seen the faithfulness of Christ. We've seen the wonders of who He is and the glory of His name, the glory of what He's done. We've seen the the wonders of His finished work in the cross and the resurrection. We've seen the wonders of His ongoing work as our great high priest. We've seen the ways in which He has worked in our hearts to unite us ever closer together. We've seen the ways in which He has called us to not only follow Him in obedience, but seeing the love of Christ lived out in our lives as well. We have seen how He has united us by His Spirit, in His his Word, by the truth that He has revealed, and that in Christ we are born again. We have the assurance of the forgiveness of our sin, and we have confidence to go before Him with all of our needs and all of our requests, including one another. What a gift we have in knowing Jesus as Savior and Lord. What a wonderful reality that we have been able to walk through as we have walked through 1 John together. And what a helpful way of ending this wonderful letter by reminding us to remember what we know. To summarize in some ways, but really to bring some very pointed instruction and application in some others. So grab your copy of God's Word and read it with me 1 John Chapter 5, starting in verse 18, and read with me down through verse 21, and this is what we read. It says, We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding. So that we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, lift our eyes to You together. May we be a people together here today who can't get over Jesus, who can't look away, who can't get over the amazing grace and the wonders of your love. Father, astound us yet again to remember what we know in Christ and Father, for the person or the people who are here who have never known Jesus as Savior and Lord, Father, that they would come away having walked into this room not knowing Christ. Father, may they leave this place knowing Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. God, in all things, in every way, be honored and be glorified as we seek to walk with You in Your Word now. Lord, we ask for You to do immeasurably more than we can, we can even ask or think in Jesus' name we pray together. Amen. As we come to this passage and really we see where we are in the end of the book of First John, we've talked about so much, we even summarized to a large degree. It helps even in looking at verses 18 and 19 and thinking about remembering what we know about ourselves as believers. There's some very helpful instruction here, and even some repetition from some earlier places in 1 John, because the first thing that he brings up here in verse 18, he says, we know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. Now, it is fascinating the language that he's using here, because when he says we know, and we see, we've seen this repeatedly throughout the book of 1 John, and in fact, that word for know is used 25 times in some form or fashion throughout the letter of 1 John. It's astounding the degree to which He's pointing us to know the truth and really pointing us in the fact that, and for Him to bring it up in this way is that He's bringing it up as a way of reminder, and reminders are helpful, and we all need them. We have reminders on our phone. Maybe you have an alarm clock and you use your alarm, you know, my phone is my alarm clock, and maybe you've got the little reminders that you drop in your calendar, and all of a sudden maybe you've got an appointment or something, and then some alarm goes off, and you're like, what in the world? And like, oh, I forgot, right? Maybe you're one of those people that's very helped by when the doctor's office calls you and say, we're just calling to confirm your appointment tomorrow, and you're like, I'm really glad you did. We need these reminders, wasn't too long ago we had refrigerators covered in post-it notes, because we were all convinced we were going to forget everything that we didn't write down. And the fact of the matter is, we probably forgot most of it. We need these reminders to remember what we already know. and We need to remember the truth of Christ and the reality of the gospel, and that our knowledge in Christ is not ambiguous, it's truth received from God and applied. So that in the face of all of the unknowns in life, and there are many, in the face of all of that, we have confidence in Christ and the assurance that we have Him, no matter what else may come. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. Now, he has stated this almost exactly the same way in chapter 3, verse 6 and chapter 3, verse 9, and it is a reminder that... In order to have life in Christ, you must be born again. I mean, Jesus himself said that, that we have to be, it's an inside-out work of God where we turn away from our sin and trust that Jesus died on the cross for our sin and rose from the dead, and there's forgiveness and everlasting life in his name. You're born again by the Spirit, made alive in Christ Jesus, called out of the darkness into his marvelous light, and it's life transformed, and a life that's transformed that's evident in the patterns of our life. Because when he says, everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, he's not saying that you never sin. He's saying that there's not these patterns of unrepentant sin in your life. We all have patterns by which we live. We have morning patterns and work patterns, and we have all these conversational patterns that we walk through and everything else. And in our spiritual life, there are patterns as well. And so that as you're walking with Christ, there should be some sense of conviction of sin. Sin. And that when you're, you're, you're repentant and you come before the Lord and say, I confess my sin before you. What do we know? He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Where did we learn that from? 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. Amen. It's amazing to see how this all connects and what a reminder it is here. To take another look into our own lives. Make sure that, that you see life real life in Christ, that you're not building your identity around some form of sin pattern and you're not just sort of trying to get God to forgive what you know is wrong, but you're trusting in Him to remove what you know is wrong so that you can walk in what is right in Him. Remember what you know, that Jesus changed us. Changed us in heart. Changed us in mind. Changed us in desire that you long for His Word. You long for worship. And that you know that even when you fall on your face, you know the goodness and grace of God that you can cry out from there and say, Lord, forgive me. And He does. Remember what you know. And remember what we know about ourselves as believers. But notice He doesn't just stop there. He goes on to say, but he who is born of God protects Him and the evil one does not touch Him. And in reading the rest of this verse, you may be thinking, well, what is he talking about? And as you might imagine, people sort of scatter all over the place. But it's very important that you can dial into some of the very specific words that are used here because it, this could be interpreted as he who was born of God in reference to Jesus protects him. And by, in an overarching scheme, that is true. But the word that's used here of, as he who was born of God is not making reference to Christ. It's making reference to another born-again believer. And within the context of where we find ourselves in 1 John, you remember even last week in talking about, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life. So the picture here is that we're not pursuing sin, we're walking with God and serving one another. And And the whole idea of protection is keeping and guarding, keeping an eye on. And so it's not saying that you keep your own salvation, but you're bringing one another back to the Lord. It's just like what Jude verse 21 says, keep yourselves in the love of God. He's not saying you do that in an ultimate sense, but there should be some sort of action and desire to do that very thing. That's how God works in the life of the church as a body of believers. We're rallying around the wonderful keeping power of God Himself with concern for one another. And so that we take up the whole armor of God and we go to God for one another, We, we see where there are patterns of wrong doctrine in the hearts and lives of one another, and we take up enough time and enough concern to say, let me walk with you through this. Let's unpack this a little more. Let's see what this really has to say. Because in an ultimate sense, any sense of the way in which we can guard one another ultimately leads back to leading people to Christ, pointing them back to Him. Look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Look to the one who is our keeper and our helper. And that when you're a born-again believer, everyone who has been born of God is set free from these patterns of repentant sin so that you are freed from having to deal with yourself all the time, and you can turn around and help somebody else. Isn't that a wonderful picture? And you can turn around and help somebody else and say, I've been in that pattern before. I've, I've been broken on my knees before and unable to shake it. But let me tell you how faithful my Jesus is. He will guard you. He will keep you. And as he says it here, and the evil one does not touch him, Now we know good and well that Satan loves to tempt, to destroy, to devour. But when you are a born-again believer and you belong to Jesus Christ, when you belong to God as one of his children, no one can snatch you out of his hand. Spiritually speaking, you are absolutely secure in Christ. He cannot touch you in the sense of lay hold of you or lay claim to you. No one loses their salvation if you genuinely have it. When you are born again in Christ, you have the confidence of what Jesus said concerning his own role as shepherd, that no one can snatch them out of my hand. Remember what we know here, brothers and sisters. He keeps us. See, many of us may be going through spring cleaning this time of year if you haven't already, right? Summer cleaning. You get to where it's like, okay, we're sort of between holidays enough. Maybe you went through and you got out uh, the, uh, the 4th of July decorations and then digging all that stuff out of wherever it is that you keep it, you realize there's a lot of junk down here. I got to do something about all this stuff. And maybe it's like, okay, we got a little extra free time, so we're going to work on this. And so you start to sort things out. And all those things that you keep, you remember why you keep them? Why, why do I keep that old ratty t-shirt that I got from a thrift store 20 years ago? That you, It's red, but you can almost see through it now. Why is that? Because it's personal. There's a personal connection to it. We call things keepsakes because there's this personal attachment to it. And we may not be able to explain it to anyone else, but it matters to you because it's personal. Isn't it wonderful to think that that's how Jesus looks at us? Despite all the reasons we've given him to throw us out the door, he keeps us. He holds us fast. This is our Jesus. Remember what we know about who he is and that we belong to him and who we are as believers. Remember his enduring grace and his love as a born-again believer and the victory that's found in him. Because we know, as it says in verse 19, we know that we are from God. It's good to know who, who you come from. Yes, sir. We all like to trace down our ancestry, right? And, you, you know, you, maybe you've done the little blood work thing. I haven't done that. Maybe you have. Maybe you've done the, you know, trace it back, Maybe you've just looked through old family Bibles and have been amazed at, you know, seeing the lineage of things and tracking people here, there, and everywhere. It's fun to know because eventually you get to a place where it's like, this makes a lot of sense. This explains some of the strangeness about me, right? Maybe your spouse or your children are looking at you and be like, "Yep." I saw that one coming." Maybe when you get together for family gatherings, maybe when you gather together on July 4th and you're around family member, the family members that you don't may necessarily see all the time, they're like, "You sound just like your grandfather. Maybe you never even met him. Maybe you look just like your uncle. We like to know about these striking family resemblances, don't we? How much more so should that be the case spiritually? We know that we are from God. God born again by the Spirit of God, having this discernible and evident family likeness in the sense of love and holiness and truth and obedience, and that we remember what we know, and we we remember that we are from Him, and that even while we're living as pilgrims and exiles in this land and in this world, we live with hope. We're from Him who said, I am the resurrection and the life. We look forward to the day that the glory that is beyond our imagination. And so that we can fix our eyes on Jesus now, knowing who we are, knowing that it's to Him that we ultimately belong, and we can open our eyes and face reality and say, there's hope. Even though we recognize the fact of what the rest of this verse says when it says, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. See, in knowing who we are in Christ, we can face reality with confidence. The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Now, this is consistent with the usage throughout the letter of 1 John. The unbelieving realm where people do not know Christ as Savior and Lord. The whole world as he has used it repeatedly, where Jesus is not known, it lies in the power of the evil one. Satan himself who is a usurper, who is a pretender, who is not ultimately in control, but who is exerting his influence and his power for this time. Who seeks to tempt and to sway. And he's not that red-suited caricature that you see in medieval art or in the cartoons that your your children or maybe your grandchildren watch. He disguises himself as an angel of light. It looks like it's right and it looks like it's true. And it's wrong. And you look around and it's like there's so many delusions in the darkness. As he delights in destruction. There are illustrations all over the place. Now we could we could look specifically, we could say look around in, in the world where where state-sponsored persecution and it's just driving people into the ground, whether pursuing our brothers and sisters in Christ to put them to the death simply for gathering under the banner of Jesus Christ or for mentioning His name whatsoever. But see, our own society has been testifying to delusions in the darkness at least for the past month as we have celebrated as a society Pride Month. Now, we certainly as a church have not celebrated that. For one, we don't celebrate pride at all in any form. Pride itself is a sin. Pride itself is rooted in Satan himself. Let alone the fact of pride in all the ways in which it's been displayed in the distortions of family and marriage and sexuality and gender and all these, you know, you could see all the new, even in, within the past week, in marches where people were wearing shirts that say Satan loves us. Where people are, are running all over the place with shirts on that say, not today, Jesus, as if they're pushing back on him. Chanting together and saying, we're coming for your children. We're not talking about far-flung places around the world. We're talking about here. But see, we don't need to talk about this with self-righteous fingers wagging towards everybody's face either. But by the grace of God go we. We should speak of these things with broken hearts. These are people lost, deluded in the darkness, plunging headlong towards destruction. And it's not just this. There's all sorts of illustrations in our own society. Pornography being as pervasive as it is and destroying people from the inside out. The whole notion of the slaughter of unborn children being referred to as reproductive rights. The whole notion of prosperity theology and just taking the gospel of Jesus Christ and turning it into the love of your own money and covetousness. It's wicked. It's a delusion. Racial hatred. We could go on and on down the list. Yes, we read this and we read the whole world lies in the power of the evil one, don't forget the first half of the verse. We know that we are from God, and that brothers and sisters in Christ, we are the living display that God's power is greater, that he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. We gather together and sing together because Jesus saves and all of our lives testify to that so that we can walk out this door and no matter who we meet, no matter what they look like, no matter how dark the darkness may be and the delusions may be warped around them, we can speak the truth of Christ and the power of the gospel is the power to save. What a wonderful God we have. Just as it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 Verse 9, it says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed You were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Brothers and sisters, remember what we know. So as we walk out as a testimony to the light of Christ into this society, we walk out confident. Not because of how great we are, but because of how great our Jesus is. Remember what we know about ourselves as believers, but that, that's not the only thing he says here. We must remember what we know about Jesus Christ. He says in verse 20, we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding. The Son of God has come. He really did come. The incarnation really did happen. The Son of God really took on flesh and dwelt among us. Fulfilled every aspect of the law. Lived in perfect righteousness. Was tempted in every way as we are and yet was without sin. Went to the cross. Died on the cross for our sin. Endured the full outpouring of the wrath of God against our sin. Laid down his life only to take it back up again and rise from the dead. We have life in his name. The Son of God has come. And we know that. We ought to rejoice in it. The reality... This really happened. Don't overlook the fact. We have a real salvation. We're not talking about old stories from yesteryear and sort of twisting around old tales. Jesus really has come. What hope we have in the reality of the gospel. The Son of God has come. I mean, we look back historically and there's so many prominent figures that have come and gone. And we have learned a lot from them. We think about where we are on the calendar and in a couple of days, right? My children, unfortunately, are going to have to endure the annual reading of the Declaration of the Independence in our own house, right? I have it in a little scroll, and I roll the thing out, and I read it in my worst British accent. We've learned a lot. Very thankful for how God has provided, but there's no one more important than Jesus. We can think along with the old song when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun. We've no less days to sing his praise than when we've first begun because we'll never tire of him. His glory never ends. He came amid this messy, smelly, broken, sorrowful, sinful world, and he's given redemption and reconciliation in him. He, remember who came for you on a saving mission. To save us by His grace. The Son of God has come. And so we're not waiting for somebody else. He's sufficient all by Himself. And not only has He come, but He's given us understanding. That He who gives life is He who gives what we need for sustained life. Understanding of who He is. His glory and His grace and His goodness and His kindness and His character. It's a reminder here, even as we read this, that our faith is an informed faith. Sound doctrine rooted in Christ Jesus, rooted in the way in which it is articulated and revealed in His Word. That we're not looking for other sources. We're we're sufficiently satisfied with the source that He has given us. And behold Him and see clearly. Behold, he who is the light, because there's a big difference in trying to make sense out of what's going on around you when the lights are on. So, when you hear the noise in the darkness, you think, What is that? Is somebody in here? What's that sound? What's the first thing that you do? Turn the lights on. Maybe you get your phone out and you try to get the flashlight to come on. I don't know. We need light. He who is the light has given us understanding so that we can see things as they really are. Jesus has done this. Not only that we would understand and see our need for him, but we would see his provision and be reminded of his power to reconcile us to himself so that we would have hope, we would have comfort, we would have care, and we would turn around and proclaim the excellencies of the one who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Remember. What we know, Jesus has done this. We have an informed faith. And it's like the more we learn, the more amazed we get. And the more amazed we get, the more confident we are. And the more confident we are, the more we want to know and walk with him and know him. Which is exactly what he says in the rest of the verse. He says, so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true in his son, Jesus Christ. That our understanding is more than just this sort of transition of facts or this transfer of information, we are knowing Him. He is true. He is the truth. He is truth incarnate. He is true to His Word. He is true to His promise. He is the true bread. He is the true vine. He is the true light. He is truth Himself. And that we are not, do we know Him who is true, we are in Him who is true. In the sense of belonging and identity. It's funny, we, we ask people trying to figure out their sort of identity or how they think of themselves. We'll ask a question, maybe you, you haven't heard in, in a while since you were maybe in school. What are you into, right? What are you tying your identity to? How much more so? In Christ, we're in Him. Our identity is in Him. So we're covered by His grace and covered by His righteousness, clothed in Him, clothed in His glorious kindness. We belong to Him. And just to be clear who we're talking about, we're in Him who is true. Who is that? His Son, Jesus Christ. The Son of God, the Savior. He who is our salvation. He who is the Messiah. Remember who we know. There's no one better The only way we're ever going to be satisfied and content is to look to He who has already come and He who is revealed and He who is true and who is that? His Son, Jesus Christ. Our identity should never be wrapped up in trying to be true to ourselves. Our identity must be wrapped up in He who is the truth. And there's a big difference. And just to be clear of the glory of Jesus, and speaking of His Son, Jesus Christ, the next thing He says is, He is the true God and eternal life. Who's He here? Jesus. He is the true God. I don't know how much more clear you could get than that. He, Jesus, Jesus, is the true God, amid the litany of falsehoods that are around us. We need Him who is true, and in Christ, if you know Jesus as Savior and Lord, you have Him. Actual help, and actual hope, and actual grace, and actual salvation, and though everybody else in your life may have thrown you away, there's actual love in Jesus Christ, the true God who came to save you, who sustains you and teaches you, who is the good shepherd, who handers, handles our own reality with his own glorious might. He is true God and he is eternal life. You, he, gives, he gives out of who he is. You, you remember how Jesus described this in his prayer in John chapter 17, verse 3? He says, and this is eternal life. Of course, all of our ears perk up. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Hallelujah. That's eternal life. Hallelujah. Knowing Him. Which means if you know Him right now, you're walking in eternal life. Amen. What a wonderful reality that is. That this is living, so to speak, as we would use that phrase. Thank you, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. Rejoicing and walking in it, nothing compares to knowing He who is the wonderful counselor and almighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Live knowing Him. and see, we have these wonderful reminders here. Because there is such a human tendency to flitter away in triviality. And to be devoted to things that just don't matter at all. We are being reminded here as brothers and sisters in Christ. Remember how amazing it is to know him. Maybe you've put your Bible away for a while and it's gathering dust in the corner and you've been trying to figure out everything that's going on in the news. It's not going to give you any hope to read or watch one more news story, but I can tell you, if you open up the Gospel of John, you're going to find something you need. We can get so lost in the trap of social media, and it really is. It's not bad. There's wonderful ways to stay connected with one another, but you can spend hours Just walking through triviality. What'd you eat for breakfast? What's your dog doing today? What's your dog eating today? What's your dog doing at the vet? Over and over and over again. Stay informed, but stay here more. Remember what we know. Remember he who came. Remember He who loves us. Remember He who saved us. Remember He who cares for us. Remember He who's guiding us and leading us and teaching us. And remember, as He says in verse 21, little children, keep yourselves from idols. He uses the same word here that He's used six times in 1 John. Little children. Precious little ones that belong to Jesus. Precious little ones that are children of the Father through faith in Jesus Christ, the Son. Little children, remember who you are. Keep yourselves from idols. Because when you know the truth, you don't delight in what is fake. When you've had a Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich, you can wait a day for another one even though you might shed a tear on a Sunday while you're driving by. When you've had ground beef, you don't want to open the freezer and see ground tofu in there. When you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, the wonders of knowing Jesus, when you've known his love and his grace and his light and his truth, when his, the Spirit has convicted you and opened your eyes to see the glory of Christ, nothing and no one else even comes close. Keep yourselves from idols. Don't flirt with them. Don't play with them. Idols of sex and money and identity and self and idols of tradition and nostalgia where all it is is we just long for the good old days instead of praying, your kingdom come, your will be done. Idols shaped out of distortions of truth where we shape everything to our own convenience and somehow we wind up with a God who seems to always agree with us. Keep yourselves from idols. Walk in the truth and enjoy knowing Him. Remember what we know. Boast in Christ. Know Jesus. There are so many fakes out there. Let us walk together in him who is true. Remember who you know and remember who knows you. And maybe you're here this morning and you're wrestling. Do I know him? Maybe the light of the truth of the gospel has pierced your heart and all of a sudden you're starting to wonder, do I know him? With tears coming down your face, with the conviction of sin in your heart that is a work of the Holy Spirit, lift your eyes to Jesus. Don't look in the mirror. Look to him. Look to the Son of God who has come, who came in the flesh, who was tempted in every way as we are and yet was without sin, who went to the cross and died there for you, who endured the punishment against the sin that, that you have committed, the sin that you have done, that isolated you from the holy God. He has said, I will take the punishment. I will take the The curse I will endure it for you in your place and he has provided himself as the sacrifice of our redemption and rescue and when you turn away from your sin and you turn to Jesus Christ in faith you can know that you are reconciled to God the Father through faith in Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected do you know him I'm not asking if you can repeat the facts I'm asking do you know him Make sure that you have come to him today and respond with repentance and faith. Let us remember what we know. And for some of us in here, let's know for the first time. However the spirit leads, respond. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. God, you are so good. You have taught us so much. You have given us understanding, just as you have said. Father, we pray for times of wonderful, refreshing remembrance now. That you would stir in the heart of every believer and, Father, remind them of the moment of their salvation. Remind them of the the wonders of your steadfast love. Remind them of the ways in which you have carried them and cared for them and helped them and sustained them. Father, just bring those things to mind that we may worship in spirit and truth. And Father, we pray right now that for the people who don't know you, for whom as they try to draw forth a memory, there's nothing but an echo of emptiness in that moment, Father, may they lift their eyes and cry out, Lord, have mercy upon me a sinner." And Father, fill their life with your love. In all things and in every way, may we come away rejoicing in Jesus together. Be glorified as we respond to you in faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.